Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 2. Is that better? Exodus chapter 2, when we get to verse 1. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife the daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. And the Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens were along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women? She may nurse the child for thee. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son. And she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Let's pray as we start this evening. Dear and Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again for the opportunity for us to be able to enter into your word tonight. Lord, we just thank you for this passage, Lord, where we can be able to see your hand at work. Lord, that we're able to see, Lord, that you are looking after your people and you simply just want us to be trusting in faith. I just pray that, Lord, as we spend time within your word tonight, that you might show to each and every one of us here, Lord, how we could live a life that would honour and glorify you. Help us, Lord, to be able to take many lessons away from tonight, that we might be able to use them to honour and glorify you. Help us to be able to lift up your name and praise it, Lord, we pray. Lord, just pray that you might just hide me behind your cross, Lord, and allow my words to be hidden away instead your words to come forth we pray Lord I pray that your name just might be worshipped and praised and that I might be hidden behind the cross of Calvary and that we might simply be able to see you in all your glory and all your majesty bless and guide your word tonight allow it to be a blessing to each and every one of our hearts we pray in Christ's name Amen as Christians it's a wonderful thing to know that we have a God that cares for us and looks after us. And we can read scripture after scripture throughout God's word that speaks about how God cares and looks for his people. Passages like Romans 8.28 remind us that God will make all things work together for good for those that have trusted in him. We are reminded in Matthew chapter 6 that he cares for the fowls of the air and that we are better than these. And so he will look after us as well. We just simply need to believe in faith and know that God is in control. And as we look here in Exodus chapter 2, 
we are reminded once again of how God is in control. We're reminded how God has a plan. You see, even though everything seemed to be going wrong and God's people were experiencing a genocide under a ruthless leader, still God was in control. He had a plan and he was going to lead his people to freedom. And it was going to start with a family who simply had a faith in their God. And he was going to take their faith and allow him to be able to just take care of the rest. And so tonight as we look at this passage, we're going to see a family's faith in the Lord and the providence of God in caring for his people. A family's faith in the Lord and the providence of God in caring for his people. Let's look first of all at the family's faith in the Lord. The family's faith. Look in verses 1 through to 4. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. In these trying times of slavery, two Levites, Amram and Jochebed, had married. We see that there in verse 1. And they'd already, by the time they have this little baby, they already have two children. They have Miriam, who is aged around 10 to 12 by this stage, and Aaron, who we know is aged 3 when Moses is born. And they now bring a third child into this world. And the fact that they're actually bringing a child into this world in this trying time when genocide of all the male-born children of the Hebrews are being put to death is faith in and of itself. Imagine the faith of these two Levites, these two Hebrews, the faith knowing that if their child comes out as a boy, that it could be instantaneously thrown to its death in the Nile River. This was a courageous choice by these two faithful believers. And as they have, as they have this child, they realise that they must hide this child away. Look in verse 2, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. The fact that they are willing to hide away this child willing and knowing that they might suffer death because of it is an act of faith in and of itself. The faith that they are willing to have this child and hide this child away from the Egyptians, knowing that if they get caught, they could be punished in such a hard decree, is certainly a step of faith. But Amram and Jochebed did it because they had a faith in the Lord. They had a faith in a mighty and wondrous God. They did not fear Pharaoh. They simply feared the Lord. They had faith in the Lord. This couple were not trusting in anything else but 
in their mighty God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, we see these two named in the book of faith. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and not afraid of the king's commandment. They were not scared of the king's commandment. They were not scared of what Pharaoh might do. They were instead putting their faith and trust in the Lord. The word proper here in Hebrews 11 verse 23 and the word goodly used in Hebrews 2 and chapter chapter 2 and verse 2 means to be elegant or good looking. And according actually to Hebrew tradition, this was often a sign that this was someone who was going to be used of God. You, you look at, back at the story of David and see it's often talked about of his good looks in his younger age. And once again, he was used of God. The tradition within the Hebrew people was that if they were, the child came out as a good-looking child, then they would be used of God. And so Amram and Jochebed chose instead to fear the Lord than fear Pharaoh. They had a faith in the Lord. And you know what? We might have trying and hard times come upon us all the time. We will. In the Christian faith, it's not an easy road. We all know that. We all go through many trying times. There's a need for us to have a faith in the Lord. A reliance upon the great and mighty God because He is in control. It might be hard at times to choose to follow God, but we need to make sure that our reliance is set upon Him, our faith is set upon Him, that we can be able to walk in His ways. We might go, be going through hard financial times and short of finances, we might be stuck between two choices and we don't know which one is going to be better or we might be stuck between two choices knowing that the harder way is going in God's way or simply that everything is just going wrong. Nothing is going wrong. Everything is wrong. Everything's against us. And it's in these times the most we need to make sure that we turn to the Lord. We need to make sure that we turn and follow after God. When those hard times come up in front of us, we need to immediately to look to the Lord and know that He will guide us. That's what Amran and Jochebed did. They were faced with this hard decision. They could be able to save themselves and put the child to death, or they could choose to follow after God and risk their own lives. They chose to follow God. They chose to follow God because they knew that was the best choice. They knew they needed to put their faith in Him. We need to remember that in these hard times, we need to turn to the Lord. We need to make sure that we're walking in His way, trusting in Him and knowing that He will deliver. We need to make sure that we have a faith a reliance, a trust in nothing else but 
in God. When the hard times come, we need to turn to Him and be relying and trusting in Him. This little child grew older and reached the age of three months. It was harder and harder to keep him quiet. It was harder and harder for them to be able to hide him away. And so the family needed to come up with a plan. Verse 3 says, And when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and dubbed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein. And she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done. The family comes up with a bit of a plan. And I'm sure most of us have had the idea, and I know myself heading into this week as I was studying it out, I'd always had the impression that the family had looked and seen where Pharaoh's daughter came to bathe, and they tried to place the baby close by to that area. And that could very much be the case. And as I read commentator after commentator, several of them said that point. They simply placed the child in this little basket, this waterproof basket. That's the pitch, which is like a bitumen. So place this waterproof basket in the reeds. They didn't push it out into the river and let it go. They put it in amongst the reeds where Pharaoh's daughter would come to bathe and she would see the child and they were hoping she would take on this baby. And then they placed Miriam, his sister, close by so that she could be able to speak up when the time came. The idea that I'd already had in my head. And it's very much possible that that was one of the ideas. But there was a thought that one of the commentators put into my mind. And that was, how would normally we expect Pharaoh's daughter to respond? Think about it. Her dad has put out this decree that all Hebrew children should be thrown into the Nile. So as Pharaoh's daughter, wouldn't it be more likely that she would throw this child into the Nile and have it put to death? And the commentators said that it could have also been this second idea, that during the day when the, Hebrew, uh, the Egyptians would probably come around and checking to see whether there was any Hebrew children, that they would place the baby within this ark, within this little boat, in the reeds, and then at times when they knew that there was no Egyptians around, they would actually pull the baby back out and be able to look after it and care for it. And then when they, that there was a risk, again, that they would put the baby back in the ark and go between going between the ark and between the house. Now, either of these are are possible. And as I thought about more during the week, I lent one way and then the other, and in the end I'm going to sit on the fence, and I have no idea which one they did. But what I do know is that in the end, they were doing it in faith. In the end, they were doing it in faith. Whether they were placing that child there during the times that they might get caught with this baby, and then looking after it, they were still running a huge risk that this child might be caught and that they could be even put to death at least enslaved even further for their disobedience 
or whether it was that they simply put this child there hoping that Pharaoh's daughter would find it. They would put it there by faith. The faith wasn't placed in Pharaoh's daughter. The faith wasn't placed in the way that they were trying to look after the child. Their faith was placed in the Lord. They knew that God was going to look after this child. If they didn't know that the Lord was going to look after this child, chances are they would have thrown the baby out in the first place. But instead they were placing their faith in the Lord knowing that he would look after him. They needed his help. They needed the Lord. They couldn't do it on their own. They needed God to help them and keep this little baby boy safe. They entrusted in God to be able to provide and allow them to get through this situation. And in every one of our lives, when the going often gets tough, we try and do more. If the finances are short, we go out and we try and find other other ways we can be able to get the finances to stay alive. If we're stuck in a certain situation, we try and go and fix the problem. We look for ways that we can be able to steady the ship when everything else is going wrong, but instead we need to look to the Lord. We need to let go of the steering wheel and let God take control. We shouldn't have control of our life. We should let Him control our path. Let Him control our way. Amram and Jochebed knew that God was going to be in control and so they simply left it up to him. They let the master take over. Let the Lord have control. We need to do the same. When we're going through trying times and nothing seems to be going right, our faith needs to be set upon the Lord. Letting him guide our way. Let him lead us in the path that he wants us to go. There's no need using our strength because we're simply going to fail. But our God is all powerful. Our God is almighty. And God will look after us every single step. And when we go through those hard times, those trials, and everything is against us, we can know that the expert master is the one in control. The expert is guiding us and he will bring things to pass in the right time, in the right way, in the right path. Because he is in control. We should not be relying upon our own strength, but rather we should be relying upon the Lord. Because we can know that God can take care. And we can see throughout God's word through the 6,000 years that God was in control of every situation. Amram and Jochebed going through this genocide. Every single male born of the Hebrews was being thrown into the river and yet they still put their trust in the Lord. We need to do the same. We need to be trusting the Lord. Because God will make it happen. God will allow things to happen 
in his timing, in his way, and in his strength. Let's make sure that we have a faith in the Lord. Reliance upon the Lord so that he can make it happen. And he can provide for us, care for us, and protect us in every way possible. And when we do that, once we're believing and trusting in faith in the Lord, then we can see our second point, and that is that that of the providence of God. The providence of God. The word providence means a protective care of God, according to the dictionary. It means a timely care or preparation, a foresight. The one who is eternal and who has been eternally existing forever and will eternally exist forever knows what's going to happen. God is in control and so God is going to look after this baby boy as Adam and Jochebed turn him over to him. You see, as this child lay upon the Nile River, a river known for its crocodiles, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe at the river edge, not too far away from where this babe lay. Verse 5 says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river, and her maidens walked along by the river's side. Imagine what Miriam, this little baby sister, was going through right now. There she is just on the river's edge and suddenly she sees Pharaoh's daughter. A couple of maids are following her and she's heading towards this little baby. I'm sure she would have ducked her head a little bit to hide underneath the reeds a little bit so that they would not be able to see her. Unsure what is going to happen to her little baby brother. Her heart would be in her mouth as she watches it unfold. And then suddenly, Pharaoh's daughter calls out and says, What's that? Over there, in amongst the reeds. Miriam probably ducked her head a little bit lower to make sure that she was completely out of sight. As one of the maids came over and grabbed the little boat out of the water and brought it over to Pharaoh's daughter. And when she saw the among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. Miriam would have been stuck in two minds. What is Pharaoh's daughter going to do? Is she going to get this child and see that it's a Hebrew child and immediately have it thrown out for the crocs to have their lunch? I mean, after all, Pharaoh's daughter is Egyptian. She's the daughter of Pharaoh. Pharaoh is the one that's given this edict. And so surely of anyone, if someone is going to obey his instructions, it's going to be Pharaoh's daughter. But God's in control. God has a plan in place. And as the ark is opened by Pharaoh's daughter, the baby cries right on cue. Verse 6, And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babbit. And she had compassion on him, and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Do you know what? It's no coincidence that at this moment, 
the baby cried. It's no coincidence that at this moment, Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on this little child. There's no coincidence when God's involved. God causes this compassion to come upon her because God had a plan in place. God was going to raise this child in the most perfect way possible that no one else could have even imagined. No one else could have even dreamed of. And yet God was going to raise this child in the most perfect way. Because God had a plan in 80 years' time, God was going to use this little child to get Israel out of the land of Egypt, to help Israel get to freedom, to help Israel to get to the promised land where God wanted them to be. God had a plan and nothing else was going to get in this way. And we might look at this plan without knowing the rest of the story and go, it doesn't seem right, it seems weird, it seems strange. How can God use a Hebrew person who's going to go into the Egyptian family and lead them, his people, out of Egypt? And yet God was in control. Can God take through us through really hard trying times, but in the end God's in control? Back when I was in Ballina many, many years ago, I used to go to a youth group. It was called Clue Club and I think it was, was run by the Uniting Church. And a couple of our, my friends used to go along to it. On a Friday night, we'd you know, have a bit of games and they had a bit of a talk and then we'd go, go home from there. And I had that and then I had all these friends and I loved living in Ballina and then in about August one year, Dad said, we're moving Grafton. Sal thought was fine. She was only four anyway, so she wasn't in school yet. But she's my sister, you know, a little four-year-old said, ah, I'll get to make new friends and it's going to be lovely. And my brother was like, yeah, okay. You know, he wasn't too much older. Me? It was the end of the world. It seriously was. Like, I was 11, about to turn 11, and that's where my friends were. I had played footy there. And we had lots of great friends that were around. They had a beautiful house, lovely area, nice and close to the shops. Why? Why would someone want to move to Grafton? It floods. Why? Why would God want me to move from Ballina to Grafton? So I could get saved. So I could get to the position that I realised that I needed God. And at that time, I knew nothing of it. It didn't make sense. It just seemed wrong. But God had a plan. I came to Grafton. I made friends quite quickly. I got into high school in the start of year seven. And everything seemed cruise. I was, you know, everything was great. And then these friends that I made got violent threw cricket balls at me from 10 metres. There was I at the end of the cricket net getting a cricket ball thrown at me. It's not fun. It didn't make sense. I'd been set in Ballina and then things were disrupted. I was set in Grafton and then things were disrupted. Why? It didn't make sense. There was only one person who I knew 
who was wanting to actually befriend me. Bradley McPherson. I played football with him. That's all I, that's all I knew about Brad. I played rugby league with him. That was it. And yet God was in control. God used that friendship to be able to introduce to me a new set of friends. And within 12 months, I saw that I was a sinner. saw that I needed to trust in the Lord. And almost 16 years ago, I came to know the Lord as my Saviour. Through each of the situations, it didn't seem right. But God was in control. God knew what needed to happen. God knew what was going on here with Moses and God knew what was going on in my life and God knows what's going to happen for us. Is God is in control. Now you think that would be enough. God's been able to save this little child and Pharaoh's daughter has compassion on him and you think that she would just take this child and look after it. But God's control continues to be seen. He uses Miriam to pick up. Then said his sister to Pharaoh's daughter in verse 7, Shall I go and call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for thee? The word nurse, of course, means to give milk. Pharaoh's daughter won't be able to look after this little child. It needed a mother that was lactating. It needed a mother who could be able to feed it. And there was one lady perfect for the job. The response from Pharaoh's daughter is so direct and so quick. It couldn't have come from Pharaoh's daughter itself. It must have from the Lord. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. Imagine Jochebed's surprise. She's probably sitting at home in tears or not knowing what's going on, crying about her little baby boy that she knows is suddenly in the riverbank. And in comes Miriam flying through the door. Mum, mum, come with me. Pharaoh's daughter needs you to look after the little baby. She probably was completely confused but followed her daughter out and came to Pharaoh's daughter and once again God shows he's in control. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto Take this child away and nurse it for me and I'll give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Suddenly, Jochebed can be able to raise their little child with no fear in the world. No fear of Pharaoh, no fear of it being put to death because this child is considered to be Pharaoh's daughter and she simply just has to look after her own child while getting paid for it. There's no way we can... consider anything else other than God in control. But there's a little phrase here that shows how much God is in control. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, take this child away. 
Jochebed wasn't going to go into Pharaoh's mansion and raise this little baby in Pharaoh's mansion. No, Pharaoh's daughter told her to go look after the child by herself at her house. Now that might seem insignificant. But what it means is that Jochebed is going to raise her child her way. She's going to raise this child God's way. And so as she nursed this child for about five years, the regular uh, quote by many of the commentators said anywhere between three to five years, Jochebed was going to raise this child in God's way. She wanted to make sure that this child knew about God, that this child wouldn't be caught up in the ways of the Egyptians, but instead this child will be caught up in the ways of the Lord. And although this verse wasn't written, this is probably what Jochebed was doing. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. Jochebed was going to train up this child in God's way so that when this child got older and this child had a choice, it would choose God. It would choose to follow in God's way. It would just to go after God. God was going to, uh, she was going to instill this faith in the Lord within this child so that when it went into the Egyptian way of life, it would still know the Lord. God was using this time to prepare this little child for his future because God was in control. Using this unbelievable situation, God was going to use child on the basis of a faith in him. And when we're in God, he can make so many things happen. We don't need to worry or stress. God knows what is best. God looked after this baby boy and God will look after us. God will look after us as long as we simply rely upon him and leave him in control. But of course it doesn't end there. Verse 10, And the child grew and he brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she called his name Moses and she said, Because I drew him out of the water. Not only would this child be growing up with this faith in the Lord, but he would also be adopted by Pharaoh's daughter, become her son and be educated in the ways of the Egyptians. He would learn their ways. He would learn how they would live. He would learn their language. He would learn their wisdom and knowledge as Acts chapter 7 says. Acts chapter 7 starting in verse 20. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and in deeds. God was preparing him for when he would go to Pharaoh and say to Pharaoh, God says, my people need to be let go. God was preparing Moses for the future. And if only Pharaoh knew that the one who would one day defeat the Egyptian army was being raised right under his nose. 
but it just simply shows that God was in control. None of these situations, none of them are a fluke. None of them are coincidence because God is controlling every single tiny bit. And God is still in control today. Nothing surprises him. Nothing catches him off guard. And we don't need to worry about what's coming tomorrow. We don't need to fret or fear about what might happen to us because God is in control. And it might seem like today and this world is simply falling apart and nothing is going right. It might seem that Satan has full grip and control on every aspect of this world, but that is simply not the case. Because God is in control. God has a plan for each and every one of us. He has the best plan for each and every one of us. And all we simply need to do is just be trusting in Him. We need to be placing our faith in Him, just like this family. And if our faith is placed in Him, then God will take care of the rest. Let's place our faith, trust, reliance, hope upon the Lord and let God control the rest. Let's close with a word of prayer tonight. Dear wonderful and heavenly Father, Lord, you know what each and every one of us are going through. You know the trials and tribulations that we might face. And at times it might seem that the path is too hard and too heavy for us to be able to go through, but you are in control. Help us to be able to remember and rely upon you. Let us not look to the side but let us look up and see our Saviour and keep our eyes fixed upon Him that we might be able to serve Him, honour Him and glorify Him, we pray. Lord, help us to have a faith and trust in You and leave every other little detail for You to sort out. that we might be relying upon you. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.